Just have my little snack. Little it's edamame fine. snack. <laughs> I'm in my edamame era. I have three bags of this stuff in my freezer right now. Oh. Do you get I the want. the Trader Joe's ones? Yeah, I get both the shelled and the unshelled for different occasions. Oh. I, I still have not bought the frozen ones. I always just get the mm. ones from the, the like, like vacuum section. Yeah. Yeah. I I those are kind of slimy. I think I've I've only bought them a couple times and I think it was because my Trader Joe's was out of the frozen ones so there was no other mm. option. But well, they they were out of the frozen much. ones for like months at a time. Uh, well, Here's that the was thing. Probably my situation. Yeah, I really do think this is a phase because the edamame in the pods, that was like one of my favorite after school snacks when I was little. Aww. My mom would get them from the store and I think like it felt like such a specialty because honestly, I think they were pretty expensive for like not a lot of food. I also don't know when frozen edamame made its way to like suburban Massachusetts, right? But so in my head, there's a link where it's like, this is a real freaking yeah. treat. Like I remember so now eating I'm it. <laughs> indulging. At, I remember eating it like at this one Chinese restaurant that we would go to sometimes. But even that was more in high school when I would go with my friends. Um, yeah, I'd get it with like sushi, but to have it at yeah. home felt like such a special thing. And I don't know if that's true or if I was just told it was special because I was the only one in the house that like liked eating it as a snack. But in my head, it's a real big treat. So I, I can imagine it might have been rare to find it in a normal grocery store in like 2003. So I think you might be onto something. Yeah. <laughs> well, now I'm a big girl and I can have as many frozen edamame pods <laughs> as I want for my snack time anytime it's your edamame you can do what you want it's exactly (laughs) i'm a big girl (laughs) yeah okay well i guess we should probably introduce the podcast and introduce ourselves (laughs) you mean nobody wants to hear about my bean (laughs) habit anymore hi friends (laughs) hello everyone yeah especially because this is not a patreon episode so uh hello everybody (laughs) (laughs) thank you for tuning in you are listening to Fit Literate, the Fit Literate podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm Carolyn sure and I'm here with Laura. And I'm Laura. <laughs> <laughs> she's Laura. And today we're doing our holiday episode. Um, so just a little bit of a heads up of kind of what our plan is, because I know the last couple months have been a little erratic in terms of our ability to record. Um, basically, we're uh, keeping things light and breezy for the rest of 2022, because I think everyone feels like they need a little bit of light and breezy energy right now. So uh, we've got this episode for you. We're going to be uploading one more Patreon episode before the end of the year. And then we have a special other bit of experimental Patreon content that we'll be posting. (laughs) No promises on the quality or entertainment value. But if you are a member of the Patreon, you'll be able to see that when we uh, we put it up. I can almost promise that the quality will be very, very low and the entertainment value will be very, very high. That's like almost a, <laughs> okay, almost okay. a promise. <laughs> I, I think I think that's something we can pretty much guarantee. Um, but yeah, so if you uh, want access to the Patreon, you can go check that out. Um, and today we're going to be basically giving advice, uh, which is something that we don't do very often on this podcast. And I, I feel like Maybe we should be doing it more, but we'll see how this goes today. Yeah, consider consider 2023 on our vision board for 2023 is more more practical, actionable advice, which mm-hmm. I think that, I don't know. I mean, 
existing in the weird space we exist in on the internet, I almost tend to avoid advice because I think that advice should always be specialized and should always consider the individual. But hopefully we can give you enough nuance via Mm -hmm. podcasts that we're not painting in such broad strokes. And hopefully you know us well enough by now that you know we wouldn't like willingly operate so wildly out of scope if we intended for you to take our advice as prescriptive. So we're going to try to be a little more helpful and a little less nervous about telling you what you should do. (laughs) And I think we're feeling particularly emboldened to uh, share advice on this topic because most of the advice around like health and fitness in the holiday season is so bad. Like most of what you find on the internet about like, you know, how to have a healthy holiday is just like, it's either the most just like useless nonsense combinations of words. That's like not even real advice that you could put into action. Um, you know, along the lines of like make healthy choices. It's like, okay, isn't that what you're supposed to be telling me how to do? Or it is very specifically just like disordered eating advice. Um, and I've definitely seen this year, maybe it's just the people that I follow and that I'm in the online community with, but I've been seeing a lot of better stuff um, this time around, but I figured we'd give our two cents to the conversation. Yeah, I mean, I correct me if I'm wrong, Carolyn. I assume this is the same for both of us, unless you're on your burner TikTok account. But I was checking it out a little bit today. <laughs> <laughs> Any account that I get a sniff of, you know, healthy holidays and like, here's how to prevent weight gain during the holidays or here's how to like only eat vegetables and be a bitch to your family who just wants like to be with you. Um, anytime I get even the slightest whiff of that, like blocked unfollow, not interested. Um, but that is the majority of the internet. And that's something that I, I'm trying to figure out how to not lose touch with as someone who makes content for the internet and wants to, you know, actually be helpful to people who are combating that stuff, but who also is interested in maintaining their own mental sanity and doesn't want to actually take in that kind of content. Um, But we know it's out there. It's popular. It's everywhere. Yeah. And that sucks. it, It is everywhere. And where I'm seeing it especially is in advertisements. Oh my gosh. Like most of the year I do not get Instagram ads or Facebook ads or anything for like workout programs or diet plans or diet apps or anything. But for the past month, that's basically all I've been getting. And I don't know if maybe this is because of the research that I was doing for the Tracy Anderson episode and like those Google searches then told uh, the Instagram ad algorithm that I want to, that I'm looking for a workout program. And so they're sending me ads for that kind of stuff, but like, it is wild. And some of, some of it, I'm like, how did I get on the list of people that should be targeted by this ad today? I got one for a Catholic mindfulness ad and the spokesperson was Mark Wahlberg. (laughs) And I'm not joking. This was an Instagram ad I got today. She's from Boston. (laughs) I'm like, what is going on? (laughs) 
that was that, that was, was that was Boston Target advertising. I oh my god, one of the most I confusing spit things. Up my tea. I yeah, that's well, ridiculous. I was tapping past and I was like, oh, like what's Marky Mark up to? And it wasn't F forty five, which I also am getting ads for because I know he's been like involved in that franchise as well. But I was like, what is this? And I clicked on it and I was like, a, like it, it was literally like a Catholic meditation app. And I'm like. I'm in the twilight zone. What is going on right now? Like this is a black mirror episode, but it was pretty funny. And then I, you know, right click, not interested. Um, but anyone who's using Mark Wahlberg to advertise things like get a grip and get some sense. That's in 2022. Come on. Um, but I, I also have noticed more ads. We actually haven't talked about this at all. Just you and I, I wonder if there's like a new meta thing happening or something, but I've noticed way more sort of independent ads that aren't from like an F45 or Mm -hmm. even a Tracy Anderson that are just seemingly from people buying these, whatever, like $20 a pop Instagram push. Yeah. Campaign. I mean, I'm definitely a little bit pretty on purpose disconnected from the online marketing guru world like I don't fall and follow any Gary V types or people that are selling you courses to teach you how to use a sales funnel um, but I'm wondering if there's a couple really popular ones right now that are specifically like telling people to like like smaller creators people like us that just have online personal training businesses or nutrition coaching or whatever pushing them to do Instagram ads um I don't know it's interesting maybe I know the Facebook ad is dying so I wonder if they're like rebooting that algorithm this might not be interesting to anyone except us but I will say (laughs) that the reason that you're seeing a huge uptick in marketing and messaging is because let's do a little brief internal scan here shall we all close our eyes listening to this podcast how are you feeling right now are you at your best Um, Are you like feeling super motivated and ready to like push through some new goals or are you feeling a little bit burnt out and maybe you've let some of those habits that you're normally strict about during the year, maybe you've let those slip a little bit. Maybe you're not, you know, using your memberships as much or maybe you're going, okay, I'm going to go a little softer on myself during the holidays and then I'll get back to it in the new year. They are pummeling you with advertising now so they can lock you. Yes. So they can lock you into memberships now because the holiday season is a notoriously bad time for mm-hmm. the fitness industry. So it's not it's not because you're doing something wrong or you're being targeted for who you are. It's because they push, push, push so that to January everyone. is the best month in the fitness industry as it always is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so a pattern that you... It's it's not you making it up in your head. No, <laughs> it's no, real. It, it is really happening on purpose. <laughs> um, and there's two companies that I want to shout out specifically that I don't want you to fall for their advertisements um, that I'm seeing a lot on TikTok. One we've already talked about in a Patreon episode, and we've actually gotten a couple of DMs on Instagram about it. It's called Beyond Body. This company, you can sign up for the Patreon and listen to the deeper dive, but it's essentially a scam. They say that they're going to send you a like personalized wellness book, but it's all just like a plug and play like computer generated diet plan that's not based in anything real with your name on the cover of the book and it's like it do do not buy it it's bad and it's just a money making ploy um and then the other one is one that 
uh, just makes me so mad. It's kind of along the lines of Noom, which I know we've never done an episode on before, but Noom is a really well-known like anti-diet diet app where they basically claim to not be a diet, but then every like nutrition plan that they provide to the app users are just diets. Um, and there's, and there's like an, no limit on, there's no lower limit on like the number of calories it will advise you to consume. Exactly. We should definitely do an episode on Noom because I saw a statistic the other day, which I'm obviously pulling this out of my ass to quote it live on air, but it was something about the uptick in disordered eating and like body image issues specifically caused by Noom. Wow, there's already research on there's that. There's numbers oh my on gosh. it. Yeah. Okay, yeah, we got to talk about that. But this app that I'm talking about is not Noom. Don't download Noom, definitely. But I haven't seen as many people talk about this one, but I've been seeing lots of ads for it. It's called Simple. And the marketing that they are doing is specifically targeting people who experience disordered eating. It's like using language like heal your relationship with food, like overcome binge eating. But then like also pairing that with weight loss, which if you know anything about eating disorder recovery, you cannot be pursuing active weight loss goals and recovering from an eating disorder concurrently. Those are those are two goals related to nutrition that are not compatible physically or psychologically. Um, and so any coaching program or service or app that claims to be able to help you with both is um, not founded in good science. And Cheapers, um, creepers, that's really bad. Yeah, and you should be seeking out a, a dietitian to work with if you are worried about your relationship with food, or you should be seeking out free online sources that maybe. are from places. Yeah, like not everyone can afford a dietitian. So at least the free content that you're seeking online, be very critical of it. And if it says anything about also helping you lose weight, it is not a reliable resource and not something something that has the potential. It is something that has the potential to make you worse. <laughs> so Take, um, like taking out our complicated feelings about the pursuit of weight loss. Yeah. It is not a good idea to pursue two different fitness, health, whatever goals at the same time. Yes. So <laughs> to enter into a structured program that's promising to help you do two things at once. That's like, if I wrote you a program that was like, oh, we're going to pack on the most amount of muscle mass possible. And we're also really focusing on speed and agility for six months. Huh? Bad programming. So that's a red flag. This program is going to help you train for your half marathon and for a powerlifting competition at the same time. No, no. <laughs> Those two goals are so different from each other. They cannot be happening concurrently and actually getting good results for both of them. Um, yeah. But yeah, so the simple app, don't do it. I have like I haven't looked into the actual app itself, but just based on the marketing, so many red flags. And if you are, you know, seeking out help or interested in healing your relationship with food um, and overcoming things like binge eating or emotional eating, there are better resources out there. Um, and maybe we can recommend some in the future, but I didn't have that prepared. Just not not that app, not the simple app, yeah, not the new app and not um, beyond the Beyond Body book. Bad, bad, bad. Um, okay, so 
moving on. We have some listener submissions or Laura's Instagram follower submissions of like holiday issues. Um, and we will get to that. But before we do, we have a quick Tracy Anderson corner um, to address because we got some feedback on the last episode. I, th- I thought we were done with her. And you know, we are sluts for feedback and we welcome yes. we welcome your feedback. And especially we're just two little girls with two little microphones and we don't have a big budget. Uh, so there's some stuff that some listeners were kind enough to provide yeah. some nuance that we missed because there's additional content behind Tracy Anderson's paywall. Go figure. And (laughs) And before we even get to the nuance, I do just want to bring up the juicy piece of gossip that I missed, which is that um, among the whole like lawsuits situation when she was back in, what was it, Indiana and like closing Mm -hmm. her initial studios, she was also actually arrested at that time. (laughs) So that's the juicy gossip piece. Is this allegedly... (laughs) No, like she was actually arrested. Um, you can check the uh, the DMs on our Instagram. Uh, just to, you know, right. add more drama to the shit show. Um, I thought that was a funny detail. But anyway, yes. Yeah, so now to the nuance part. As Laura said, there is – we were informed that um, – basically that we were kind of going off of like old information that like the free content that Tracy Anderson has publicly online is kind of outdated and not necessarily reflective of exactly what is in um, her method behind the paywall, specifically that um, compared to what she was providing for free eight, 10 years ago on YouTube, um, in her programs now, she does at least attempt to give more of an explanation of what muscle groups should be working. Like, like there, there is more of an explanation of how the movements are done and why they are being done. Now, she still has not publicly posted any information or provided any information about um, any certifications that she's done, any education that she's gotten any information about her method at all. So we have no way to verify if the information she's giving behind this paywall is accurate or good, but she is providing it. Um, yeah, We can say we, we have a lot of questions about the methodology behind the method. Yeah. But, you know, we're serious when we say like, hey, y'all, if this stuff works for you, that's awesome. But here is maybe why it's not the one and only answer. And so the thing that I think the thing that, you know, raises our hackles about the Tracy Anderson method is the lack of education, the seeming lack of accessibility, the seeming the seeming lack of support, Um that can just lead to mixed experiences with the program that kind of doesn't necessarily support. It doesn't make it user-friendly. It doesn't Mm -hmm. necessarily support um, the exerciser along the way. And we have firsthand uh, confirmation from some people that that does work really well from them. So, you know, when we say mixed results, like I'm happy that a good mix of those are good. Um, And we even got feedback, you know, the same person saying like, look, I think the workouts themselves are really fun. And, you know, I like it. 
It was challenging at first to get used to her teaching style, but I've grown to really appreciate it. And also she is so wacky and half the stuff she says doesn't make any sense. And I'm like, okay, like both can be true at once. Like (laughs) you can have fun in her classes and like take everything she says with a grain of salt. And like, that is totally cool if that works for you. Sometimes fitness is camp. (laughs) Sometimes fitness is camp. Um, But yeah, so there was Tracy Anderson corner. Let's get to the advice. Where do we want to start? Shall we? Um, Let's start. Carolyn, how do you how do you feel about starting on a bit of a positive note today? I feel like we always promise that to, idea. We always promise to end on a positive, and sometimes it takes us a little bit too long to get there. So, and then why we're we too start? grumpy to be positive. We're just what what I say earlier. We're just two grumpy girls with microphones. Mm. Um, we're just so grumpy and sleepy. Uh, also, <laughs> if I sound like I'm trying to seduce you, it's just because I'm getting over a head cold. So, apologies. I'm not testing out any new like ASMR stuff. And if um, I sound grumpy and sleepy, it's because I am. I did not sleep well last <laughs> night. So <laughs> this is why we're only – we're doing minimal recording this month because we know this is all we can handle right now. Honestly, I think if if anyone's not on board with that, I don't trust them. So yeah. here we are. We're still here. We're setting Anyways. an example. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I like the way no, it sounds. No, like per- permission to slow down. Sure. Don't sure. overcommit, which yeah. we're about to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so I asked on Instagram kind of uh, how everyone was feeling when it came to the holidays, what you were most, you know, girding your loins for, what were you <laughs> stressing about? So- <laughs> Is that inappropriate? No, it was just unexpected. That's so funny. And that phrase is always stuck in my head because of Stanley Tucci and the Devil Wears Prada, which is another story for another time. Um, What are you most stressed about? What are the things that you are stealing yourself to deal with? The things that are making the holidays maybe stressful on you? Because we had a chat like this around Thanksgiving where I was in my little hole of kind of being like, well, I don't see any diet stuff on the internet, so... I kind of don't want to be like, hey, you don't need to earn your turkey and put that idea in your head when it might have not been there to start with. Uh, Mm -hmm. But then everyone was like, hey, hey, no, no. Well, we're still getting a lot of that. So, like, please bring it on. So uh, apologies for kind of slipping, letting the ball drop on that. But we're here. And the point of me bringing that up was that the biggest thing that I heard calls for were like, hey, I need actionable steps. Like people can tell me it's okay. Enjoy your holidays as much as I like, but I need like a toolkit for getting through this. I need like affirmations for lack of a better word that I can run through my head of knowing how to deal with these situations when Mm -hmm. I find myself actively in them and maybe, you know, activated and not in my best frame of mind for using my free resources online. So Mm -hmm. that's what we're here to do today. And one of the things that I got the most questions about was the interruption of routine, how we deal with this massive, nearly month-long upheaval of our normal patterns um, and ways we can maybe downshift out of that ways we can maybe take advantage of that ways we can maybe go easier on ourselves when we try to stick to that so carolyn how Mm -hmm. do you suggest people approach having any kind of routine around the holidays well the the first thing that i would recommend is 
to really set reasonable expectations for yourself. Like I personally recommend putting fitness goals on hold for the holidays, Um, especially if you have a lot of commitments that like will interfere with your schedule. If you are traveling, if you are hosting, if you have lots of events to go to, even if just like work is crazy right now, um, if demands outside of the gym are just astronomically higher than they are any other time of year right now, then stop putting so much pressure on yourself to perform when you are in your workouts. It's okay if not every single workout you do is in pursuit of a specific goal. You don't have to be hitting PRs every time you go to the gym. You don't have to be training for something specific. You can just be um, exercising for the sake of it. Okay. Yeah. So set your expectations accordingly and just don't put so much pressure on yourself for your workouts to be anything other than self-care because that's what you really need to be prioritizing right now. So regardless of any like strength goals or performance goals that you may have in general, what what other function does fitness serve in your life? Is it stress management? Is it time to yourself? Is it... Um, like uh, a somatic exercise of embodiment and connecting to your body. Figure out what the function of exercise is for you that is really important and helps you feel better in your day-to-day and prioritize that. So even if you're not like hitting all of the checkboxes that you normally would another time of year in terms of other types of goals – can you at least hit that most important thing when you do work out? And so that think- could mean that you just go for walks, you do less intense workouts, and you have to shift your schedule around. But can you still meet that primary function and keep that self-care there? That would be and my, I think first, that, my advice. That is a good goal to set maybe not a goal in the sense of like a goal post but more of like a guiding light um for what an intention an intention yeah for what you want your movement to look like and for a lot of people you know family is a huge stressor over the holidays fortunately or unfortunately and sometimes exercise is the one sort of justified alone time you can mm-hmm. get. So you have all our full permission. If you need to tell everyone, Hey, I need to do my workout and you lock the door and you put on a crazy cardio playlist and you lay face down on the floor because no mm-hmm. one will bug you for the next 45 minutes. <laughs> yes. Like use it. And when Carolyn talks about like building goals or working towards PRs, that kind of stuff requires you to overload your system, right? Exercise is stress on the body, especially if you're doing serious progressive training, which we hope that you are, but that is still stress on the body. It is eustress, E-U stress, not distress, but the body doesn't know the difference between good stress and bad stress. It is all stress. So just like the holiday season can be stressful in a good way because you're seeing family, there's a lot of activities on your plate, lots of celebrations, whatever, but it is still stress on the body. You working out, especially you moving your body in a way that is going to push you closer to maybe a specific goal, that is still stress. And so we need to learn how to manage and balance all of these things so we can appropriately recover and it doesn't take you down. So if you're 
the workouts are the things that need to downshift into either a shorter time frame, less frequency, less intensity, uh, more recovery focused, more mindful. Those are really smart shifts to make. It's not just so that you can maintain that consistency that is important for the self-care aspect. Yeah, because a lot of people have the concern of, okay, well, I actually, you know, I have no problem going easy on myself. I'm going to take a few weeks off. I'm not going to worry about, you know, exercise, whatever, but I've got big goals for next year. And how do I jump into that? Because that always feels awkward. That feels a lot like throwing myself back into an all or nothing mindset. And I think we've talked about this before, but yeah, we the, definitely have uh, many episodes on this. One of the best coaching tips I was gifted from Precision Nutrition uh, is to think about your habits, I suppose, in instead of an on-off light switch, like a dimmer switch. Mm, it's like a dial mm-hmm. that you can turn instead of a button that you hit where I'm either doing this all the way or I'm not doing this. So can you dim that dial? Can you turn down to what does it look like? How do you move your body when you only have a 20-30% effort to give that day? But maybe you still do have that 20% effort rather than a 0% effort. So then on January 1st, where maybe you have fewer obligations and you're starting to feel more clear-headed and you've got that fresh burst of energy from that really strong marker of the new year, maybe it's easier to jump from 30% to 70 or 80% rather than jumping from zero to 100. So give yourself, give yourself that cushion. It's okay to half ass things because that means your ass is still there. <laughs> yes. Right? Yes. And we talk about Don't this all put the your time ass away. <laughs> that living in that gray area and not succumbing to black and white thinking around fitness is one of the like key mindset shifts that you can make to help yourself be more consistent. And in the end, whatever objective you have when it comes to exercise, whatever your intention is or your goal is, consistency is one of the most important things. And so being able to live in those shades of gray and just pick the appropriate one for the situation will help you stay consistent because you're not losing momentum and you're staying true to what your body actually needs. So you're also not overloading yourself and uh, overburdening yourself when you can't handle it. Um, The other piece of advice I would give, and I know that this sounds like stupid and like overly practical, and maybe it doesn't work for everybody's brain, but if you have a lot going on, plan out your workouts ahead of time. Instead of trying to force yourself to make in the moment decisions about whether you will work out or not and what you will do in that workout, actually make a plan so that you don't have to make as many decisions. Like decision fatigue is so real and you're always allowed to alter your plans and change your mind when it comes down to it. But if you have the plan already there, like if you have the workout session in your schedule, if you have already like signed up for the class ahead of time, made the like plan to go for a walk with your friend a couple days in advance. And it's already something that you've committed to doing. It will be so much easier than waking up in the morning and going, Oh, I wonder when I'm going to have time to work out today around my busy schedule. So if you can plan ahead and bake it in because it is important to you, just as any of these other holiday commitments are, it'll be so much easier to actually stick to some kind of schedule, um, even if it does get a little bit messed up. Like having a plan and being willing to change it as you go 
will set you up for way more success than going in with no plan at all. <laughs> um, Cause then it's so much easier. If you have no plan at all, it's so much easier to go like, okay, I can't even think about this. I have so much else going on instead of going, I don't need to think about this because I already did. And when that timer goes off that it's time for me to go do my yoga video, I can put down what I'm doing and go do it and come back to whatever I was doing. I don't know. It like, I always feel weird giving that kind of advice because it feels so like annoying almost <laughs> and like a don't tell me what to do. But it's like literally it it actually does work if you can make your brain do it. <laughs> I think sometimes it's easier to externalize that source of pressure rather than have that nagging voice in the back of your mind. Like yes. if it's, oh, this post-it note or this alarm or this it's you know, on my, note in my calendar list, so I don't have to keep it in my head I guess I have to I'm baby right mm -hmm, it helps mm -hmm. and also like this is a good time to practice even if it you know I love to make when I when I'm in a YouTube yoga phase I like to make like a little playlist so mm. that they're all right there and I don't even have to go and search like put in 10 minutes of work up front so that you don't have to do two minutes of work every day. That makes a huge difference with making decisions. But also if you are maybe tending to your relationship with exercise a little bit more, maybe this is a good time to set aside that time and just block off that time. And maybe it's just time for you. And again, maybe that time is lie face down on the floor. Maybe that time is try five minutes of movement, see how that feels, reassess from there, see if I want to move on with more of my workout. That can be a really helpful time to do that when things already are a little bit wacky. The other thing that I would suggest, the reason that the people on the internet who are so committed to their everyday workouts and working out through no matter what and on the holidays and whatever, the people who go, you know, balls to the wall, for lack of a better term, the reason they are so successful with finding the time to do that, other than a whole host of accessibility issues, yeah, and is that they're really, <laughs> yeah, yeah, aside from all the other, yeah, um, they're really freaking loud about it. <laughs> yeah. To the, to the point of being annoying, because when it is a privilege to prioritize yourself and to carve out that time. But there is something to be said for if you make, if you have recognized that you need that, if you are already on that step of it, you've already identified sort of your intention and your, this is going to be important for me to take care of myself. The next step is to taking yourself seriously and to make sure the people around you know it's important to you too. Um, because that will always if it's not the priority, you're always going to find a way to push it back. And that's not saying it needs to be your priority. You are, you are allowed to prioritize whatever you need to do to take care of yourself in this season and always. But if you've already identified that as a priority, be annoying about it. Be like, no, I need to get my workout in today. And There's a red box Not even being annoying about that. it, but just set boundaries around it. Just be honest. Like, hey, yes, I am uh, down to come to the like holiday party tonight, but I get off work at this time. And it's really important that I, uh, you know, have 30 minutes to myself. You don't need to tell them what you're doing. I'm going to be 30 minutes. I have late a meeting. Because you, yeah. Cause you decided <laughs> that you need to go for a run. Like it, if, if it's a self-care decision that is important to you, then it is important that you can communicate those boundaries that allow you to participate in that self-care activity. Um, so yeah, vouch for yourself. And yeah, like you said, take yourself seriously. I love that. Yeah. Even if it is, you know, five minutes of movement, 
give yourself the space. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, was there anything else we wanted to? I mean, I guess it was just that. the like how, how to get back into a routine after time off. But I know I know that you did an energy bite episode on that. So if that's something that you're listening oh, yeah. to this and you're like, yes, I know that I'm kind of like taking it slower for the month of December, but come January, my schedule is going to lighten up and I know I'm going to want to kind of recommit to like a workout routine or some fitness goals. Um, Laura has a great energy bites episode that you can scroll back to and listen to for some tips on that. Well, thank you so much. I guess to wrap it up, my final note on this would be do not underestimate the downshift. Whether Mm -hmm. you're in a really good routine right now that you want to keep up through the next month, whether you recognize that your routine is going to need to ebb and flow and you're figuring out how to not let go of it completely, whether you are going to let yourself, you know, crash and let everything go and then you're going to step back into something new, the answer is always do less. What is the what is the amount that you can do that feels so doable that you're like, oh, that's not enough. I could do more. Usually that's the amount you need to aim for where it feels so brainless and so nonchalant that it's like, yeah, of course I can get that done. That's a thing to commit to. And that is the thing that will keep you going. You don't need to, you know, eat the whole mountain in one bite. Yeah. Um, yeah. And when do not underestimate. It, if you realize you can do a little more, you realize, oh, I do have more time. I do have more energy. I do have more capacity. Then you can make that decision in the moment to do more. But planning to do less will help you like stay more on a consistent schedule and feel more success around everything that we've been talking about. Yeah. Like Carolyn said, find which shade of gray works for you today. So let's Mm -hmm. all work on like finding more shades of gray (laughs) in this holiday season. (laughs) Oh no. Do we have to come up with a 50 shades of gray pun for the episode title? (laughs) Uh, Maybe I'll work on it. (laughs) We'll workshop it. Okay. So let's move on to our next kind of sub topic which is how it's more boundary work, which is a lot of what holiday health advice is coming from us. Um, But this is specifically about like dealing with triggering situations, comments and conversations as it relates to food and body image and weight and things of that nature. So Laura, do you want to kind of um, give us some examples of, some of the situations and things people DM'd you about? Yeah. Ugh. Dealing with the diet talk. And I got to say, this is, this is making me want to fist fight some family members for y'all. Like (laughs) I'm about to challenge some people to gentlemen's duels. Um, (laughs) Lots of people, I think maybe three big comments, people who are anticipating Uh, body comments from their family, either because of a history of inappropriate body comments from their family or friends or loved ones, whatever, um, or because of a a recent body change and anticipating seeing people for the first time in a while. Um, There's that. There's the sort of general dieting comments, either, you know, snarky remarks about food um, or talking about 
you know, maybe your aunt is talking about her own personal diet that she's on right now, or people talking about, oh, we're being so bad, or, you know, the mm-hmm. the sort of general atmospheric talk around food and gathering. Yeah. Because people like to have a a common enemy, and for some reason we've decided that's the food on the table. Um I think I I think I promised a third category, but I think that's all I have. No, I think that kind of summarizes <laughs> it. Um, yeah. So, Laura, do you want to start off with the advice on this one? Um, who? Yeah, I I guess I will I will give it my best crack. Um, honestly, I think that the first step is deciding what you are willing to do. Right. I am not one to be coaching anyone like else on how boundaries. confrontational you feel comfortable getting. <laughs> yes. I, you know, I'm not the queen of boundaries, but what I learned in boundary school is a boundary is not, hey, don't do that. A boundary is, if you do this, I will do this. If you do A, I will do B. If you do X, I will do Y. That's the boundary because people, you know, exist with consequences. Our brains yeah. work better with consequences. Um and I don't think that's something you need to advertise, but maybe that's something you need to determine for yourself. If someone makes a comment about, if someone makes a comment about my body, then I will say I'm not comfortable discussing my body. My body's not up for discussion, period. Or if someone makes a comment about my body, I will physically remove myself from the space. <laughs> or if someone makes a comment about my body, I will poke them between the eyes. Like you got to decide what it is for yourself. How, how I specifically think it is vaguely unreasonable to expect people to sit down and have, you know, nuanced, healthy boundary work around the dinner table and know the perfect retort to steer their family members back towards a conversation about how you actually can't tell how healthy someone is from the way their body looks. Like, I think that that is too much to expect of yourself. So again, let's find that shade of gray. Let's downgrade that expectation. Yeah. Don't, don't expect yourself to necessarily be an educator um that doesn't have to be your role if that's not something that you feel comfortable doing or something that you don't think would be received and would just cause you more distress and often i find that these comments probably come from a place of thoughtlessness rather than malice i think it's a lot of these sort of social scripts we're used to um it's not a lot of it's not a lot of thought you know they're not your grandfather isn't like trying to demonize sugar when he's like, Oh, I shouldn't have another piece of pie. Like that's just kind of the jokes that are in our cultural narrative. So you, your boundary could be, I'm going to hold on to all of this. I'm going to put it in my journal later and I'm going to steam about it to my friends on the internet. To me, that's a perfectly appropriate boundary, but you need to go in knowing what that is, because then I think at least I would find myself a little bit more impenetrable to the consequences of those comments. I think if I am prepared for that kind of talk, then it's more likely to roll off me, you know, water off a duck's back. Um, So decide, like, are you willing to make things uncomfortable for people? Are you willing to upset people? Are you willing to, you know, make people feel 
I guess, disappointed. Like, I think it's perfectly appropriate to say, I'm not comfortable talking about that and shut mm-hmm. it down. Or you just do not- changing the topic out of nowhere. Yeah. J- load up some knock-knock jokes. But like, inappropriate comments are impolite and hurtful and whatever. So to me, you don't owe those people politeness, education, understanding, whatever. But you need to be comfortable with whatever flavor you're going to bring back at Mm -hmm. them and know if it's worth it to you for your energy level, whatever you're planning to do. Like not everyone has the time to engage in a, in a fun and fair conversation. Maybe you only have the energy to police the thoughts in your own head and to just remove yourself from situations where that's going to be impossible. And I think uh, you brought up like two like similar in that they're both triggering, but different situations. And one is where someone is making a more general comment or a comment about themselves. And then the other is that someone is making a comment to you about you. And I think it's also okay to decide to handle those differently. Like if, if it's just oh, generally people making little diet culture jokes of like, oh, I'm so bad for eating a second piece of pie or like just stupid stuff like that. I think it, it's... Um, it makes sense to have a less intense or aggressive response prepared for something like that that isn't targeted at you, that you can maybe kind of feel that like, oh, it sucked to hear that, but whatever, it's not really my problem. Um, And I think it's okay to have a like to take it personally, more personally when it is more personal and to have a different strategy for those kinds of conversations, which I think you know, maybe would require a little more preparation. And I have a couple of suggestions. Um, So the first is that if, if you're choosing to put yourself in a space with people who supposedly love you, um, I, and you are anticipating that they will bully you and harass you and make hurtful comments. I don't think it would be unreasonable to call them out ahead of time. And, Mm. you know, literally call your mom or text your aunt or talk to your sister before the meal and say, hey, look, um, in the past, you have said things like this and it really hurts my feelings or it um, triggers my eating disorder. If you care about me being happy, if you care about me not having an eating disorder, you will really watch what you say and make sure that you don't say anything about my body or what I put on my plate. And if you do, I will leave. Like I I think setting those boundaries with the person that you were anticipating those comments from ahead of time is a perfectly reasonable way to go about this because it, it, it's not, you shouldn't have to take that, you know? And of course not everyone will feel safe doing that. And so if you don't feel okay, you know, approaching someone ahead of time and you would rather just kind of swallow it and process it later, like that, it is up for you to decide how to deal with it. But if you think, if you're, if one of your family members always says something and you're tired of it, call them out ahead of time. Say, hey, it doesn't have to be in front of everyone else. It can be a private, respectful conversation, but just letting them know that you're not going to take that. Um, The other thing I would recommend is if you can recruit an ally 
to be on your side. That's what I was going to say. Yes. Whether that is, um, you know, uh, your spouse, your partner, one of your siblings or a cousin who you trust, um, or, you know, a parent or a grandparent, like someone who, you know, does understand you better and, um, would be someone who you can lean on for a little bit of support in situations like that, who you can say like, Hey, if someone says this, I'm going to respond in this way. And I need you to back me up. Or like, I might need to vent to you after dinner, um, because I know what uncle so-and-so is going to say. Um, and cause you don't have to deal with it alone. <laughs> and again, if these are people who supposedly love you, yeah. at least one person at that table is also going to not be okay with people treating you that way. Um, Even if it's a friend in another state that you can just like text under the table or Mm -hmm, yeah, even if mm -hmm. it's, even if it's your, you know, teenage cousin, you can just like elbow. (laughs) I mean, maybe don't rely on teenagers for emotional support. That was bad advice, but yeah, fine. (laughs) Unless you are a teenager. (laughs) Yeah, find somebody who's going to be like a touchstone for you that you can come back to, even if that's an uh, an Instagram page that shares a lot of advice around this, like something that you can tap in with that's going to make you feel connected to maybe yeah, nicer thoughts that are happening in you. your head. Yeah, because yeah. one thing that's really important to remember is that when people are saying these kinds of things, it you don't have to believe them. <laughs> you don't have to listen. Um, it Often it's not even about you at its foundation. Some, sometimes it is. Sometimes people make other people's problems their business, um, other people's lives their business. But like you're, you're allowed to create a healthy amount of detachment from the things that people are saying that harm you. And so creating other places that you can go, people you can talk to, um, content you can consume that does help ground you back into your beliefs and values instead of getting swirled up in other people's beliefs and values that don't apply to you um, can be really helpful for just helping to keep your head on straight in the moment um, so that it doesn't like affect you as much, essentially. People who have good relationships with their own bodies and with food very rarely make commentary on other people's bodies and other people's plates. That is true. You do not need to be the bigger person and extend unending empathy to people who are dealing with that. But it does not mean anything about you and whatever you can do to bolster yourself whether it's, you know, offensive or defensive, (laughs) it is okay to do that. There is a reason that these conversations happen around holiday tables all across America, all across the world, whatever. It has very, very, very little to do with you. And the more you can do to prepare yourself, protect yourself, find ways to let it roll off you when it can, or find ways to process it, so that it doesn't, so that those comments don't stick to you long term internally. Um, do whatever you need to do. Don't treat it like a passing thing that you just need to put up with. Prepare. My, 
My other piece of advice is if you are someone who goes to therapy, talk about this with your therapist. I've actually been very surprised recently how many conversations I've had with people who I know go to therapy for things like depression, anxiety, grief, trauma. And I ask, I like they express something to me related to body image. And I go, oh, have you talked to your therapist about this? And they're like, no, I haven't. And they're experiencing these intense body image issues and they've never brought it up in therapy. And therapy is a great place to talk about this stuff. Um, so if you, especially if like you're already regularly seeing a therapist and like you've got an appointment on the calendar in the next week and this is something you're stressing about, bring that up. Like they are absolutely someone who should be equipped to handle like to help you handle this, whether or not they are actually equipped to help you like heal from poor body image, like that might not be their specialty, but they can help you with setting boundaries um, and help you create a strategy. They are an excellent person to go to to, for that. So uh, yeah, another recommendation. A great one. A great one. Yeah. I think the the point we want to hammer home there is like, there's nothing specifically weird about you that's making people make out-of-pocket comments to you. There's nothing specifically weird about your family if you're dealing with boundary issues. And it's better to look the thing in the face and be overly prepared so that you can continue supporting yourself in whatever version of your happy, healthy journey you're on, uh, Mm -hmm. rather than pretend everything's fine and get knocked out because someone like made a side swipe about your dessert. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. So now that we've kind of, you know, dipped our toe into tackling those external comments, let's bring it in. I think this is maybe the thing that we're the least prepared to deal with because it is so personal and internal, but probably the thing we have the most experience battling ourselves. Um, And I think the thing that people are, you know, scared to talk about, which is sort of negative self-talk, bad body image, bad relationship to food, um, all this stuff that the holidays can sort of compound. How do we, how do we not be so hard on ourselves? There is a widespread fear of overindulgence and weight gain around the holidays. And so much of the marketing in the fitness and wellness industry uses that and taps into those specific fears in order to um, sell you stuff. Um, And so in doing that also encourages those fears and perpetuates them. Um, So yeah, now we're going to be talking to any of you who are still kind of in the thick of it with body image and um, like going into the holiday season with some worries and fears around holiday eating and what holiday eating and like maybe working out less might do to your body. Um, And the first thing that I want to say is just that I empathize. And these are fears that I'm sure we both have experienced before. And it makes complete sense that these are things that you would be worried about. Because diet culture is the soup that we swim in and around us at every turn are messages about why we should be so afraid of gaining weight and why we should be trying to avoid it at all costs. So when you're constantly being inundated with these kinds of messages, it makes sense that you would internalize them. So the first thing that I want anyone who's experiencing these kinds of worries and fears to do is just 
validate that it's okay that you're feeling this way. Um, and understand that it makes sense that you feel this way. Um, and of course it is unpleasant and you don't want to feel this way anymore, but it's happening and that's okay. Um, the second thing that I would say is just because you're experiencing this fear or like this negative emotion doesn't mean that you need to frantically try to find a solution that's based in action. And sometimes when we are oftentimes, most of the time, in my opinion, when we're having fears that relate to our body image, body size, food and fitness, those intense emotional responses of fear and worry um, should not be catalysts for action, but they should be red flags that tell us to pause. Um, because usually the action that is taken from that place of deep self-consciousness and fear with all the negative self-talk swirling, any action that we take from that place and like as a reaction to that is ultimately not going to be super helpful. It's going to involve things that hurt us physically, like restriction and over-exercising. It's going to involve things that hurt us emotionally, like perpetuating the negative self-talk and seeking out online content that keeps us in that negative headspace. So what I, I and it's, ugh, I like hate talking about this stuff sometimes because, you know, it's easier said than done, right? And so the best advice I can give is that you are not broken and you do not need to be fixed and neither does your body. And just because the idea of your body changing around the holidays is scary doesn't mean that it's actually going to hurt you or be the end of you or be the end of the world. And you will survive this holiday season no matter how your body changes or how you feel about it. And if you can kind of go into this next month just with the intention of riding the wave and not reacting to it, you can come out on the other side, hopefully with a lot more perspective, a lot more self-compassion, and with the ability to make decisions about your body and your health that will hopefully be more positive than if you sign up for a diet or a really intense workout program or do something um, to try to fix the fear in the moment instead of riding the wave of the fear. Because, I mean, who am I to tell you, oh, don't be scared about it. Don't be scared of gaining weight. It's fine. You're not going to gain weight. Well, Because well, well, who knows? You might. Our bodies do change when our environments change. You might be bloated. The scale might change. And that will feel awful to some people. And also, what if you don't have to do anything about it right now? And you can decide right now to experience the holiday season and all the negative emotions that come with it with acceptance and patience and then make decisions on action when the storm is over. When we live in a society that demonizes fat bodies, treats fat people horribly and mm -hmm. also has no universal health care, uh, it makes complete sense why the weight and health panic around the holidays like sets us off. It makes complete sense why you're feeling this way. You are not 
weird. There is nothing wrong with you. You are not broken. But yeah, like Carolyn said, it's it's as much as you can let yourself ride the wave and not to get too crunchy woo-woo, but again, like body image changes a lot faster than bodies do. And we tend to notice these spikes in really negative feelings of negative body image and the desire to do something about it, quote unquote, when we are feeling less in control of the world around us. You know, a feeling that Yeah, a feeling that could be inspired by having people making comments about your body around you, a feeling that could be inspired by traveling, a feeling that could be inspired by being around people who maybe activate your nervous system. Like there are a whole host of reasons. The it's not the fault of the holidays, but the holidays are this perfect storm of stressors that often lead us to turn inwards and go, oh, there's something wrong with me and it's my responsibility to fix it right now. And it's actually a big emergency. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't fix all the things that are going on around me that make me feel so bad, but maybe I can control myself and micromanage myself into feeling better about the outside world is I think the underlying psychology sometimes. If like we talked about in in the last bit, if you've chosen the bite your tongue approach to dealing with things you're uncomfortable with it makes complete sense that then you'd be alone in your bedroom being like well what about myself am I going to change completely that's at least that tends to be how my brain works um if you are a person who numbers help your brain the statistic that every ad camp that the statistic that launched a thousand ad campaigns of the average American gains five to ten pounds over the holidays is complete bullshit um a study done granted in 2000 but it's the study that people still reference uh a prospective study of holiday weight gain i'll send you the link so you can put it in the show notes carolyn found that uh the average holiday weight gain is 0.37 kilograms which is less than a pound and tends to align with sort of the normal weight gain we see in regularly fluctuating adult bodies because we gain a little bit of weight Every year as we age, grow muscle mass, grow bone density, whatever. Um, if that helps you to know, <laughs> the the fear is overblown. And also the reality of what that might mean for your body is completely overblown. And fear, anxiety, shame around your body is not going to motivate you into action that will support your body It's in fact, it probably, I think nine times out of 10, it is more likely that you will kick yourself off into a life ruining spiral than you will somehow alchemize shame and fear and all the icky feelings into an actual useful, healthy change, which is, which is what we all think we're going to do. Um, This is a good time to practice really radical self-compassion. This is also a very hard time to practice really radical self-compassion. So we hear ourselves when we're saying this. But I mean, from from what a lot of you have specifically expressed to us, but then also like what's just floating around out there, like you are not a bad person for wanting to have a suite. And for a lot of us, this sort of 
overwhelming urge of, oh, no, I can't control myself around sweets is because the holidays is the time where we saw someone on Instagram say, hey, it's okay to have a, a cookie on Christmas or to have, you know, Hanukkah dessert because it's just one day and it's not going to ruin your progress. And when the possibility and the availability of sweets opens up really rapidly and really narrowly, then it sets us off in a panic mode that, oh my God, I can only have this right now. Um, or and I can only have one and it like one is acceptable and I can give myself permission to have one Christmas cookie, but now I feel like I want to eat eight <laughs> because I feel like I can only eat one. You are a lot more likely to eat a day ruining amount of sugar <laughs> if you never let yourself have sweets, if sugar is off limits, if sugar is taboo. We think that people have latched onto this rhetoric that sugar is addicting because people feel like they can't control themselves around it. But when we are not, um, what's it called? When we are not restricting sugar and when we are not restricting calories, our brains do not behave in an addictive yes. pattern. So okay to desire things that are around you. The feelings of compulsion come from the act of restriction, which can be physical or mental or both. It, the feeling of compulsion does not come from uh, substance addiction. So, yeah, yeah. Just to be clear the on that, the the big difference between like a not that you know your relationship to food is not serious, but the difference between a serious medical addiction and the feelings of compulsion we feel around sugar is that. The more you get of an addictive substance, the less effect that has on you and the more you desire, the more you get of something like sugar, like you're going to crash and then stop and then you'll maybe desire the same amount of sugar again, but that's it. There's no lasting like desire phenomenon. I also think just for another little piece of perspective, I think that diet culture has really obscured our understanding, like our collective understanding of what it means to binge. Um, a mm. binge is like a specific medical term related to eating disorders. And it does not just mean I ate a little bit more than I planned to, or I ate a little bit past fullness, or I ate more than I would generally consider to be a good or healthy amount of food. Binge eating is a, an extremely intense compulsive need to eat and often to the point of extreme pain and sickness. So eating more dessert than usual, having a second plate of uh, food at dinner when you would normally restrict yourself to one is not binge eating. And I hate that so many people think it is because people are basically like, um, like medicalizing their very normal behavior and mm -hmm. thinking that just eating a little bit more than normal or eating a little bit more than they are actually hungry for is somehow this dangerous pathological thing to do when it is not. It is well in line with normal eating practices. And so I, I think it's just very important to remember that um, like our bodies can handle a pretty wide variety of nutritional experiences. And just because for a day or a few days or even a few weeks, you eat more on average than you do at another time during the year, it does not mean 
that that behavior is problematic or unhealthy or indicative of something as extreme as binge eating. Um, and if you are someone who struggles with binge eating, that is a completely different story. Like if you've gotten that diagnosis, you've gone through treatment, you understand your triggers and your experience with that. But if you are just someone who ha- who's like kind of currently dieting a little bit and thinks that, you know, one cookie is okay, but four is not, four cookies is also okay. And four cookies is not a binge or what, whatever the situation is for you, where it is marginally more or slightly more than you would normally eat. Not a binge. You don't need to be scared of that. It's both extremely normal and morally neutral to overeat. Yes. And And overeating, meaning just eating more than your body necessarily needs. Overeating is also not this dangerous thing. (laughs) Or even like past the point of comfort. Like there, if you have too much sugar and you have a headache and an upset tummy, it's going to be a much easier rebound for you if you go, okay, I overdid it a little bit on the sugar and now I feel kind of crappy and maybe that's not going to be so appealing next time. Like this is mm-hmm. when we talk about treating your body like a science experiment and learning. Yeah, or even you are like, yeah, rec- my tummy hurts tonight, so I'm going to have a cup of tea and then I'm going to eat a normal breakfast tomorrow. There doesn't Rather have to be than- extreme compensation or anything like that. If you if you find yourself going into a shame spiral that accompanies those feelings of discomfort or, you know, unwellness or uncomfortable fullness, if you find yourself beating yourself up about that, I'm not even going to say don't beat yourself up about that because that's something that like a lot of us are actively struggling with. But if you find yourself in that situation, know that there is an easier way out. There is... Uh, a better, easier option for how to approach yourself in that way. And maybe that is just a learning moment. And maybe, maybe that does make like having a ton of sweets at once less appealing. Maybe it doesn't, but now you know the ramifications, but either way, it doesn't make you, doesn't mean anything about you as a person. It just means that you ate this and that's how your system reacted. Yes. Yeah. And it, I, I think the, the biggest takeaway or the biggest thing that I would want to like impart on you, the listener, is just whatever, whatever it is that you are kind of stressed or scared of when it comes to body image, food, fitness around the holidays, how can you reframe it to feel like less of a big deal? <laughs> and, yeah. Because just making it feel like a more manageable, scary thing instead of a big, scary thing that is completely overwhelming will help you get through it and feel like your head is still on straight. And so just how can you make it feel a little bit less important, a little bit less scary? How can you make yourself feel just a little bit more accepting and calm about the situation and roll with that? And I will offer two caveats to that. The first of which is that making things manageable for yourself often involves first identifying your own needs, even if you think that they are overly needy or overly high maintenance. Making things manageable sometimes involves making those plans we talked about, setting those boundaries in advance, carving out that time for yourself, giving yourself an exit strategy, giving yourself a processing strategy, whatever that is. So that it can be more manageable in the moment when emotions are high or you're in a 
time crunch or you're stressed or you haven't slept a lot or you're hungover or whatever. It is (laughs) okay to take your needs seriously so that things can be more manageable in the moment so that they can be less of a big deal so that you know how you're going to cope. And it's not just, you know, a team of one, but you've (laughs) assembled your Avengers to take care of you. Hoping that it goes okay. Like, yeah, prepare. (laughs) Yeah. And then the, I guess the second caveat I will offer, which we got to put just like a huge big old, trigger content warning for disordered eating on this episode because I'm going to get just like the slightest bit of nitty gritty, hopefully nothing too triggering, but talking about food specifics, I know for me in my journey, which will not be the same journey for anyone else, which might not even be good advice for anyone else, but I had to let the pendulum swing so far to the other side that I knew what my limits were and I could eventually find what the center is. And I still don't think that I have found the center, but the pendulum swing has gotten a lot smaller. And if you are restricting, 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 the second you open yourself up to maybe I don't have to live like this, if you were holding your breath for a year, when you took your big breath, it would be a gasp for air. It wouldn't be a nice, normal, steady breath, right? So if you are interested in maybe unlearning some of these narratives we've been fed around food and and your body and dieting and exercising and how those things play together. If you are on that journey right now, you need to know that that journey isn't just like baby steps into a pool. Like it's going to be a wild roller coaster and you are allowed to get things wrong on either end. And you are, you have to learn in the process because in my estimation, it is a lifelong journey, but it is also a a final one, right? I have very seldom repeated the same mistake twice. But there were a lot of there were a lot of events that I spent hunched over the snack table because I felt like I could not pull myself away from the food or the sweets or whatever it was. That my thought was, oh, if I slow down and like am more present with the people who are here, then I'll have an easier time staying away from food. And that's you you cannot you cannot be perfect and you cannot learn perfectly. So if you are in this phase of in between, if you are trying to do things differently, if you are trying to focus on your own internal cues or be more supportive of your own healing, you are going to F up. You are going to. And the sooner you can get over whatever feelings are tied into that, embarrassment, shame, sadness, whatever, the sooner you can appreciate that that's part of the process, the faster you move on from that and the faster you can get to the next step. The more you can accept that, okay, maybe I need to eat an entire pack of cookies and then I'm never going to do that again. (laughs) Or maybe I will, but that time I'll learn. Like Mm -hmm. there... They're or maybe I will always eat a pack of cookies sometimes. And what I've learned is that it won't kill me and I'll be okay. Is that it's no big deal. Or maybe I'll take two full weeks off from moving my body in any way. Maybe I've gone on my morning walks every day this year and it felt amazing. But the last maybe two weeks of December. that I'm I so say- scared of because I have this idea that it's bad for me is actually the best thing for me and allowing myself to do it is good. Like there's endless situations. Yeah. Or like, you know, 
maybe I have this really healthy habit that I like. And if I let it drop the last two weeks of the year, you know, going to the gym, taking your walk in the morning, whatever. If I let that drop and then I feel like shit because I haven't been doing this thing, then I realize I actually like really like that thing and it feels good. And I can get back to it from a place of, oh, this is adding something to my life, not the threat of what horrible thing is going to happen to me if I stop doing this. Yes. Like, it's a oh. really good time to reassess. I love um, it. When Just- you're in a position when things are different. And I feel like it comes back to something that both of us talk about all the time, uh, especially in our many episodes, which is just like perfectionism is never the answer. And just to go back to my metaphor of riding the wave, it's like you will feel shitty sometimes. Things will not go according to plan. Bad stuff will happen. People will say shitty stuff to you. And that that is unfortunately just a part of the holiday season and it's a part of being a human that's showbiz (laughs) baby um and the more that you can like respond to those situations with compassion and patience for yourself instead of like urgent this urgent need to react and take action the the softer the holiday season can feel even when unfortunate or uncomfortable things are going on. Yeah. And your part of that perfectionism has to extend to, I'm allowed to disappoint people. I'm allowed to aggravate people. I am allowed to make people uncomfortable if that means I am taking care of myself. A lot of people will back down if they hear the word no, (laughs) but we're not used to saying that because we don't want to let anyone down. But if, you know, a third plate of leftovers is being shoved down your face, it's okay to say no and to mean it. And if people care about you and have their best interest, your best interest at heart, they might be more amenable to that than you're expecting. But it is really scary to be the first person to make a change in the way you interact. Yeah, it is. Oh, man. I feel good about that. <laughs> I yeah. feel good about the advice we gave. <laughs> Sometimes I, hope we... I say things on this show and I go, oh, I hope that came across the way I meant it. But I really feel like everything <laughs> came across the way I meant it today. <laughs> can I can I make a, a big embarrassing confession and say that Fit Literate was on my Spotify wrapped because I listened to every episode after we post it to be like, <laughs> Have I made a complete buffoon and a fool of myself and slandered our good name? Just oh passively. But oh. I I feel you. And I hope that we've I hope that we've done you the justice in this episode of validating whatever mixed icky bag of holiday feelings you're feeling and also expressing to you that we are also in the gray area on this journey in a lot of ways, still figuring out how to address these things as we go along as individuals, as coaches, and also like as a society, you know, like we're all still figuring out how to do things better. And then also affirming for you that like this shit is real. And if you need support and you have access to it, do not be ashamed to lean on it because, uh, your relationship to yourself is the longest one you will ever have and it deserves just as much TLC as all your other relationships. And so if that means therapy, if that means setting really heavy boundaries or taking a step back from certain circumstances, or if that means finding a way to do the holidays differently, or 
investing in like other resources to support you, do it. Yes. <laughs> you are worth the investment. Yes. Oh, what a beautiful note to end on, Laura. Oh, I'm serious. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I thought we would wrap things up here. Um, maybe we can each say one thing about this holiday season that we're looking forward to or that we're excited about. Ah, yes. Yes. We're ending we on a that. positive note. <laughs> ending on a positive. Look at us go. Oh my gosh. Forming new patterns. <laughs> um, you go first. What are you, what are you looking forward to? Oh, well, I am looking forward to hosting a big group of family members for the first time as a grown-up uh, in the in my house because I have a house that can fit lots of people in it at once. And so a bunch of my family members are flying down from all over um, to come and do a Florida Christmas this year. And although I am definitely feeling the pressure and like I'm stressed in that my to-do list, it just gets longer every day. Um, it is, it is like a, an exciting stress because I'm, I'm just really looking forward to the experience overall. I feel like that's such a huge rite of passage, like in your own home, being the, the hostess. It's exciting. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. I'm definitely excited. What about you? Um, I'm looking forward to getting over this headache and being able to breathe when I'm trying to sleep at night. Oh my um, gosh. <laughs> no, other than that, uh, I'm taking the last two weeks of the year totally off. I still don't Snaps. really know what that's going to look Snaps. like. I'm first of all, you know, this is a huge step for me. Um, I'm very excited. I'm very excited to like reboot my brain. My brain right now feels like when my computer is telling me like you have updates that need to be installed. And for six months, I'm like, ignore that. <laughs> You're not serious. <laughs> That's what my brain feels like right now. And so I'm looking forward to the rest of that. But I'm also looking forward to that renewed creativity that I know is going to come on the other side. Um, and I'm also looking forward to, if you don't mind me using this little tag for a nice soft launch, I'm looking forward to a fun new way for you to move with me, dear listener, free, totally free, which is the first time I've ever offered something like this, but, uh, we've got a little, a little, well, it's called Everyday Energy, and I'll leave it at that. But oh, it's going to be a little a little holiday treat from me to you for the last two weeks of the year. So I'm really looking forward to letting that out into the public and hopefully, you know, hearing some stories of like us moving together, even when I'm not right there on the other side of the screen. So, so exciting. Oh, I love that. Well, I can't wait to check it out. <gasps> And with that, everybody, um, as we said, we've just got one more episode coming out after this one. It will be on the Patreon. Do we want to spoil what it's about? I think we should. We're going to be making fun of the Goop gift guide and possibly other uh, like health and fitness related gift guides because there are some wacky products out there All and those we things. love to laugh about them. <laughs> All those things you DM in Texas, you're like, does this actually work or am I wasting $100? We're going in. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love it. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Thank you so much for 
this year of podcasting. I know we're not technically yeah. at our like one year anniversary yet, but I feel like in a way this is it like counts. a wrapping up of year one of Fit Literate. And it has just been such a joy, such a pleasure. And we just really appreciate appreciate you all for being here. Next year will be Fit Literate colon here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> Electric um, Boogaloo. <laughs> yeah. And thank you, Carolyn, because I think it was around this time last year that I was just a guest on the podcast. And this has been such a such a bright spot in my year and such a wonderful outlet for all the crazy rants I'd be having alone in my room anyway. And I'm so happy to get to collaborate with someone as as cool as you and to have created this space where people actually like listen to the things we have to say and also like are in conversation with us. That's so exciting. It's such a more meaningful type of dialogue than I'm able to engage in in like other internet spaces. I think you feel I, the same way. So Oh, I totally agree. I am like so grateful for you and that we are doing this and that you agreed to my very out of the blue proposition <laughs> to turn our mostly parasocial friendship into <laughs> a real life internet one. <laughs> Yeah, it counts. It counts. I love it. Oh my gosh. Well, you slept on my couch. It counts. I did. That's um, true. That's yeah. true. We've we've had so a we sleepover are, at this point. <laughs> we are very, very, very grateful to you, our little fit literate family. Um, and we're excited for next year and to see how how this thing grows and to see not only like how wide we can get and how many influencers we can shit on and how many listens we can get, but also to really go deeper with you and to continue having these conversations that I think are like super important and the conversations I wish I was having five, 10 years ago. So absolutely. It's good stuff. All right. Well, with that, we love you and we will see you in 2023. Bye. Bye.